This is HPR episode 2588 entitled Miniature Painting. It is hosted by Tuturto and is about 29 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is Tuturto rambles about how to paint miniatures while painting some toy soldiers. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. and I want to talk a little bit about miniature painting. And I'm actually painting those miniatures as I'm recording, recording this episode. So um, I like playing miniature games, and currently I'm working with a 15mm Ancient Pretense for the DPA. And the method of... the method how I paint them is the Pretty simple. The first step is to clean up the models because these are metal models, and after after they have been cast, there's a usually a little bit of flash, little bit of uh, seams and such on them that need to be taken off. And I use a small files to file file all those things away. Basically, I just go through whole bottle and see if there are any pieces that need to be filed down. After that, the next step is base coating. I have tried to several different ways of base coating. Uh, the reason why I base coat the models is that uh, I find it generally easier to paint when there's a uniform color under the paint and that and there's a little bit of a rough surface so that the paint sticks to it better if i i have tried to paint painting directly on the metal but that doesn't really work well the paints just don't the paints just don't seem to work particularly well on there so uh for base coating i used to do spraying spray paints but that was a bit messy and the results, results weren't that good in the end. And then I started using Gesso. I'm using Taylor Rovni Gesso Primer. This, is, this isn't actually real Gesso, but this is a one for the acrylics. And I bought this huge tub from the art store, because usually, usually the Gesso is used for framing a canvases before painting. But I bought that from art store and directly using that doesn't work. That's a way too thick. It obscures the details and makes a too too textured surface. But I found that if you thin it a li- just a little bit with water, it, it took a bit experimenting to find the nice nice 
uh, formula for thinning it, but after a little bit of experiment, it worked out. And the gesso is really good because you can generally, when you when you thin it a little bit, you can just liberally slap it on the on the model with a paintbrush, and it doesn't obscure the details. It it might seem that it, it obscures the details, but when the gesso dries, it shrinks a lot, and all the details are again visible. The main thing while doing that is to make sure that if there's a uh, how do I how would I explain it? if there's a for example between the legs of a model the if you put on the gas so it use sometimes form a film film there because of the surface tension and if you leave that film there it will dry on and make a bad looking bad looking sort of webbed surface that there shouldn't be anything. So that's something that you need to pay a little bit attention attention to. But and another thing is that if you if you um, thin it too much, it might not cover enough. But that's a less of a problem because then you can just wait for the gesso to dry. It usually dries relatively quickly, like 10 to 15 minutes. And then just apply another coat. And after the models have been primed, I go through them once more, check that all the nooks and crannies, all the little little hide, hidden away details have been covered so that the whole model is uniformly covered black. And at this point, I might still use, a, if I find a spot where there isn't, Uniform, uniform black color. I might use a gesso to fix that, or if the area is really small, I just use the regular black paint. After that, there's a time to start painting. I use a. Nowadays, I use the army paints from the. Oh, what is this? The army paints, war paints. These are little dropper bottles. They have a nice selection of colors and I'm very happy with the quality of the paints. Some colors, some lighter colors especially, don't work that well on top of the black because they don't cover it in one coat. So you have to either paint multiple coats or start with a some color that covers the black better and then work from there to provide the color that you want. For example, if I want a yellow, this one is called demonic yellow, I wouldn't paint that directly on top of the black because that would mean, that would require ton really many coats, but I could start with a light gray, for example, I have a stone golem or uniform gray and paint that on top of the black. Because that covers the black slightly better than the demonic yellow. I might start with the uniform gray and on top of that put the stone golem and on top of that put a one or two coats of demonic yellow. I have found that 
that, that method works pretty well. And uh, the thing that I like about the paints that they are, I think the word is translucent or transparent. I always mix them, mix those two things. But I like that they, they don't cover, not all colors cover that well. Because sometimes it's really annoying, like in, when you're painting on top of the black, but sometimes that's really useful because you can easily mix the colors while painting on the model. You can paint one color with dry and then paint another color and the first color shows through a little bit. So you you can create a nice nice blend and different colors and without needing to mix the paints. Mixing the paints isn't that that bad though. I because the these paints are in a dropper bottles like I told. They have a little dropper and you're supposed to drop the paint on the palette. And on the palette you can of course mix. And I use a wet palette for painting. That's just a small plastic box with some tissue paper in it that has been moistened with liberal amount of water. And on top of that paper I have a parchment paper. And on top of that parchment paper I drop the colors. The idea is that the the, the moist moisture keeps the parchment slightly moist and that keeps the and the parchment in turn keeps the paints moist so they don't try try that quickly. Now that now that it's summer they of course do still dry eventually but for but during the winter time when it's not so hot I can mix colors on the paint on the palette paint on one evening and then continue on the next evening using those same same colors they don't dry which is really really nice it also saves a little bit of paint because usually when i drop some paint on the palette i fail to estimate how much of paint i actually need and use a little bit too much. Uh, what else? For the process, I'm, I'm not very critical about the process. Some people have really strict preferences. I have heard that Kolinsky sable process are really, really great, but I haven't tried those. I don't think that with my skill, <laughs> painting skills, they, 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 those high-end process would be wasted. Like I still manage to do decent looking paint. Painting, I stay inside of the lines most of the time. But I'm I'm happy with the. I'm actually using army painter paint process nowadays. And I have the character brush for the big stuff, and then I have this another one is called detail. That one is for the smaller smaller stuff. They are even even 
even thicker ones, but the, but those are way too big for the for these models because these are like I said, 50 millimeter models, and you have a food soldier that is 15 millimeters tall, and you are painting the helmet, shoes, and such. You do need a relatively small brush. One of the most annoying thing I did recently was painting a, a early imperial Roman army for the DPA, and that meant painting tons and tons of Roman sandals. So first you paint all the skin that is showing, wait it, wait it to dry, and then you paint the leather sandals or Caligula. And, that's, uh, and that gets old relatively quickly. I usually work from on the models. I there's usually a some some surface that seems to be the farthest away, like sort of base 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 of the of the model. Like this horse I'm currently painting. I started with the body that I'm painting a light brown and after the body has been finished I will add the I will probably paint the mane and the tail then the hooves harnesses all those little details the final final step will be painting socks and the markings on the horse That, that that thing I like about painting horses because even if you have 20 or so horses in your army, you can just paint them each each of them to look individual. Like they have a slightly different colors, slightly different of kinds of markings, and then there's of course a whole thing between the. I think they were called bay and something else. Well, there's different different types of colorings that the horses have. When I was painting the ancient Roman, uh, that early imperial Roman army, I actually went went and researched on where the Ro- Romans of that time got their horses, what kind of breeds they used, and what kind of color colors those breeds usually had, and then painted the horses using those colors. And then I painted for each horse different different kinds of markings. That was pretty interesting. One one big thing about the miniature painting for me is doing the research and trying to figure out what kind of colors colors scheme to have on the army. And the osprey has nice books about about different kinds of eras and nations and such that usually have nice pictures where you can get inspiration. I was thinking and of course you can take the inspiration wherever. I was thinking that at some point when I'm 
painting my next army of Romans of different era, I'm going to pick the color scheme from the Asterix. So, dark green tunics and blue shields. Okay, um, after the models have been painted with the colors, I usually apply shading on them because they are small. You don't want, at least I don't want to, for example, paint the eyes of the models. They are way, 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 way too small. So I just paint the whole face to skin color. And when it's dried, there's these quick shades. I, these are just a translucent shades that you can just cover the whole model or part of the model. And when it dries, it color, it shades the model in a way that recesses get get darker than the raised surfaces. So that means that the, you automatically get darker areas on the where the model have eyes, and that that looks pretty pretty reasonable. Because the fact is that if you if you are looking a face of a man from a couple hundred meters, you don't see the eyes, you just see the shadows, and then your mindset fills in that, okay, these shadows mean that there's eyes. So the models on the tabletop works, work in the similar way. After the, after I have shaded the thing, I usually just go through the model once more, maybe pick up little details, maybe at and up a little highlights there, here and there. Generally make sure that they are what I want them to be. After that, I add a varnish to protect the coat, paint coat. When I was painting plastic models, I didn't do that because plastic is a... For some reason, the paint stays on the plastic a lot better than on the metal. If you drop a plastic model, you usually don't chip the paint, but if you drip drop a metal model that hasn't been varnished, yeah, I, at least I usually lose some paint on that, that point, and then, then it means that I have to do some reverse. So I varnish the models. So far I have been using a, this called game varnish. I actually don't know. Ah, this is Vallejo. I mean, this is manufactured by the Vallejo. It's a really good, really good bonus. I'm really happy about that because it's a very matte. It doesn't create shiny surface. Sadly, that bottle is about to run out. So next, I'm going to try the Army Painter anti-shine matte bonus and see if, how well that works. Part of the hobby is experimenting with all the all this stuff and trying to find a, find out what things work and what things don't work and talking with the other hobbyists and trying to exchange ideas and learning from each other it's pretty interesting after the model has been honest the model itself i consider ready at that point but that doesn't mean that it's ready on the tabletop because on the dpa the you have 
multiple models on a base. For example, if if you have a okay elephant, I just a single elephant because they are so huge. Same with the artillery pieces like carabalista and such. But for example, if you have a warband, that's four, three or four models. And if you have a horse, that's seven models on a base. And so I'm using a small wooden bases that have been cut to the size. Sadly, I don't remember where I got these. I'm, I'm really happy about with these. These are light and not too thick, but thick enough that they are easy to handle on the table. But eventually I'm going to run out of those and I have to figure out a replacement of photos. But until then I'm keep using those mystery bases that I got from somewhere that I don't remember anymore where I got them. Uh, I usually just take the models that I'm going to base and try them on on the base, try to figure out what, what would be a good, nice arrangement for those. There isn't that much space for doing very dynamic scenes, but sometimes it's sometimes the order of the how they stand on the base makes big big difference. I usually try to avoid having a two similar post characters standing next to each other. That's a, one of the drawbacks using metal models because with the metal models having different poses isn't as, as isn't as easy as with the plastic models where you usually assemble assemble the models by yourself. There are some some metal models that you need to assemble like elephants, chariots, for example, the legionnaires, well, Roman foot soldiers that I painted, had a separate shields. So you had to glue those, but they didn't really change the pose of the models. But anyway, I try to find a order and arrangement how I want the models to be posed. And when I'm happy with the, my idea, I glue them on the base. I'm using a Loctite, Loctite Power Epoxy. This is a two-component glue that dries in a five or so minutes. I have found that pretty nice. Five minutes isn't awfully long time, so you, you cannot make, you cannot mix too much of the glue and try to base too many models at the one go, which is a bit of a drawback, but on the other hand, if you are gluing shields or spears, you don't have to hold the models together for a long time. A liberal amount of glue that helps there too, so sometimes I just, when I'm gluing spears, for example, I glue them with a Loctite and attach them while they are drying with a blue tag. I had a one long, long time ago when I was still playing the Warhammer. I had a, some last cannon guy who I glued with a metal, metal 
huge cannon and that blue that thing it didn't work out so over the night the, I was using different different epoxy back then that that took half an hour to dry so over the night the cannon just started slowly pointing downwards and it ended up looking kind of silly poor marine was shooting at his feet but that's one of those things that you do once and then you learn so I glued the models on the base with a epoxy ready to dry and then I'll start working on the basing and basing is the fun part I love doing that stuff like you have you have so many options you can think about where the arm is based like you can do a highland stuff or you can do jungle stuff or you can do a desert stuff or what 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 you have there's endless endless opportunities for example the these ancient bridges that I'm currently doing I after gluing the models and after the models models have dried on the place I glued some very fine sand with PVA glue onto the base to form to give a little bit of texture and after that that had dried overnight then I painted that sand dark brown and let that dry too on top of the painted sand I glued some patches of stepped grass. This is a this is a static grass from the army painter. I seem to be using tons of army painter things nowadays. So I glued some static grass. That's a little. I think this is some synthetic stuff. The thing is that the, the name comes from the from the fact that if you have uh, some static electricity, electricity, you can get that to the grass to stand up really nicely. But it also works like if you just drop it on a PVA glue and then blow on it gently. And I have found that uh, if you thin the PVA glue a with a little bit of water, it works much better than using the straight PVA glue. So after the step across, I attach a couple tuft tufts. These are little, little. What would you call these? Well, little tufts of grass that I add here and there, and then I also have a little pieces of ground cork that look like a stones that I attach here and there, paint with a mixture of black and uniform grey, so that they look like a stones with a interesting patterns on them. And after that, after everything dries, the model is ready, and then it's rinse and repeat for the next model. And um, I mentioned assembling the models earlier. I usually like base coating the models when they are unassembled. 
and then painting them and then gluing them when everything has been painted. The thing to remember while when doing that is that you have to remove the paint from the surfaces that you are going to glue. Because otherwise the first time you touch the glued piece it will just move and rip the paint off. The paint isn't that strongly affixed on the model after all. So I use a small knife to scrape the paint off from the surfaces. Surfaces before gluing them. And well the spears are uh, what's the exception to that to that rule. Those I usually glue on place because they are they don't they aren't too tricky to paint when they are attached. But for example seals I like painting separately because then you can paint both sides of the shield and also you can paint the arms better that way when the shields aren't in the way. Some might argue that what's the point of painting the arms when they are mostly covered anyway, but if you look from the certain angle you might be able to see from the unpainted arm and that bothers me greatly. I like the models to look really nice regardless of the direction that you are looking them from. And that's about it, I think. That's how I paint my little tiny tin soldiers. Maybe the next time I'll talk, I might talk about the DPA in general. But that's for the different time. Catch you later. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.